Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and as always, and I'm sticking to as always. You're committed to it? I'm committed to it. As <laughs> always, I'm joined by Sarah DeYoung and Pastor DJ Laura, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, Dave Engstrom is with us. Dave Engstrom from Open Doors 65. Dave, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a good conversation. But first, I, I want to talk about just how great it was last night with our Wednesday nights at Atonement. I mean, oh, there yeah. was so much just life in here. There was, in, and out and outside. A few oh, of us, oh yeah, few groups took it outside because it was nice out last night. I mean, from from kids club where we had just everywhere you look, there's a kid. My son at the end of the day, he he goes to kids club. <laughs> He said, he said one thing that, that terrified me, but the look on his face made me think, okay, this won't be so bad. He comes out of the, out of the gym, out mm-hmm, of the arc, mm-hmm. and it's 8 o'clock. He doesn't want to leave. He's no. having way too much fun. Yep. And 8 o'clock, you know, we wrap things up. But he comes out, and he's just dripping with sweat. I was going to ask when we got a pool. Yeah, oh, man. He, he I was just soaked. He was just, yeah, it was like he jumped, jumped into something. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm playing hockey, and I love it. I want to play hockey all the time. And as a dad, I'm thinking, oh, oh no. 5 a.m. ice time. Oh, man. Hotel rooms. $2,000 worth of sticks a year. Mm-hmm. $1,000 yep. worth of skates with extra blades. Just Next, he's going to say, Dad, I want to be a goalie. And then you have to factor in, like, <laughs> no. right, knee replacement, hip replacement. He did say he wanted to be oh, a no. goalie. No. <laughs> just nightmare scenarios. But, you know, I'm looking at him, and he's having so much fun. I mean, what what are you supposed to say? I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, that's one of those deals where, I mean, uh, uh, I was telling Dave earlier that – uh, the the youth programs go from six thirty to eight, but I didn't leave here till nine o'clock last yeah. night because because none of the kids wanted to go. And how do you get feisty about that? Right, you know you don't gotta go home, but you gotta get out of here because I need a nap. <laughs> so no, I yeah, it, it's been it's been great. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. I need to steer him after that. I got to get him hooked on some other type of activity. So what's, what's the least expensive? What's, <laughs> Marbles, maybe is is that a, is that is there like an Olympics uh, for jacks? Yes, uh, can't can't uh, can't you get them? Uh, uh, you probably have all the equipment you need for soccer. Can't you get them? Yeah, but that way there's goalies in soccer. Hey, listen, uh, we we've been doing the soccer with my oldest, and I can tell you that ain't cheap either. <laughs> Well, okay. then you also I have the problem. Cheap, like dirt oh, cheap. Okay. You also have the problem of like, eh, my sisters do that. I don't want to do that. Right, right, right. Well, what about? <laughs> well, they all have, uh, they, once you reach a certain level, they all have traveling teams now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah. That yep. uh, are going to, inv- that hotel cost is going <laughs> to be there regardless. Preach it, brother. Yeah, I find, know. Find um, the one with the best rewards. My, my daughter has been doing competitive soccer and travel soccer year round since she was seven. And so uh, she and my, and my wife, Melissa just went down to Des Moines, Iowa and played in a tournament and her team won every single game, but it was all last weekend and it Mm -hmm. was the travel cost down there on Friday. I mean, you're driving eight hours yeah, and then you have a hotel stay food, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And then it's an eight hour drive back. So it ain't a cheap (laughs) weekend. So, So, what about sticks? Maybe that could take off. If you know what, maybe that's we need to come up with something original that he can be excited about and and play. Maybe bands cheaper. You know, you just buy the instrument. I don't know. No, everything's no. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You, now it's just the you would just have to hope that maybe he'll try it and just not be that good at it and then lose interest. Twir- uh, yeah, twirling, <laughs> twirling, twirling. Do they still have twirling? I don't think so. <laughs> then you just need a, a baton, right? I oh, think you have I'm, to go south for that. Yes. <laughs> I think that's also still part of marching band, so oh, it's still okay. band costs. Yeah. Well, but in anyway. the south, marching band and football mm-hmm. have, uh, have a uh, 
unity <laughs> to them. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a synergy going on. There is. A symbiosis, if you will. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe Sticks could take off for those of you who don't know what Sticks is. Do you know what Sticks is, Sarah? Is that where you go outside and find Sticks? No, no, oh, no. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Dave, they play it different in South Dakota. Do you have any idea what Sticks is? I do not know what Sticks is. So uh, uh, DJ's son taught me how to play Sticks, and he dusts me in it every single time. But all you need is is uh, your fingers. That's true. Okay. So That's true. You Fine start. Game. Yep. You start with your pointer on each hand, and then uh, so uh, let's let's say DJ and I are playing, right? So I will take my one of my pointer fingers and I'll tap one of his pointer fingers. Boom. And then if I tap him with one finger, he has to add one finger. So now he's got two on one hand and one on the other. But now it's his turn. Lamb. So he just tapped me with the two fingers oh, on, on one of my hands that had one finger out. So now I've got three. Mm-hmm. Once you get to five, the gig's up. Oh, so, no, I didn't think y- it through. Yep, I, I learned that trick from oh. your from your young son. Is this a math game? Yeah, you got to think. Well, you got to be able to like add. A math game. Yeah, there's a little strategy to it. <laughs> well, and there's more to it too, because let's say I have four on my hand and uh-huh. Ryan has two on his hand. There's two things I can do. One, I can slap my hands together, and now I have two on each hand. Yep. Or if he has two and he hits me, he taps the two. Yep. That's six. So now he so resets five, to one. Six. Still in the game. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it, where did this come from? Did he make this game up? Did he learned it from his older sisters. Now, where it came from before that, I have no idea. We'll have I've to, never seen it before. You know what we need is a 30 for 30 on the game of sticks <laughs> on ESPN. See, if I was still teaching, which I retired from a good many years ago now, having taught eighth grade, I would have been able to answer yes to that question <laughs> yep. that I that I would know what sticks was because I would have personally witnessed it. Yep. Yes. I, I think it's going to take off. Sport of the future. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did you teach for? Uh, 33 years. 33 years. Wow. What was the, what was your, uh, your favorite memory? Do you have a favorite memory from all your years? Uh, it would be a general sense, the students I was able to, to meet and engage with. Yeah, yeah, that was the best part about it. Mm-hmm. After after all that time, did you have any? They were in eighth grade. Did you have any come back through the system and and teach alongside of you then? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, that had to have I been did. cool. I was at Discovery the last twelve years, and. Discovery is set up in the house concept. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a few years, the math teacher in my house was one of my former students. That's really That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, again, we're, we're visiting with Dave Engstrom. And, Dave, uh, you'll have to remind me your title uh, is with Open Doors 65 here in Fargo. Um, so, Dave, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell me what your title is and then tell us a little bit about Open Doors well, Sarah, if you have Hail to the Chief available <laughs> on your board there, uh, I am the president of Open Doors. Okay. D- uh, does this work? Da, da, it's, it's not da, quite da. Hail to the Chief, but. Oh, that, yeah, <laughs> that does it. Uh, that does it, uh, which, which really is uh, hail, <laughs> hail to the Chief. Uh President is kind of a, a mistaken label. It's required for for purposes of filing five hundred one c three and so mm-hmm. on. Yep. But uh, team leader would be a much better a much better statement. Uh, open doors sixty five, or as as I'll typically refer to it, uh, open doors is an all-volunteer organization, and it's made up of a team of volunteers who work together and make decisions together and serve Christ and serve people together. So team leader would be a much better term than president. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have the gravitas. <laughs> <laughs> El Presidente. El Presidente. 
So Open Doors is is uh, a thrift store. Is that right? Uh, that's the best way to describe it. Uh, when uh, when explaining it to to people, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's more accurately a free store. Okay, because there's no charge for anything that that we Pay furnish to people at at Open Doors. But if you say free store. People are like, huh? <laughs> and uh, if you say thrift store, everybody's got an idea of okay. what that's like. In other words, primarily uh, donated items uh, of good quality uh, that uh, we make available to people who who need them. To the public. Yeah. 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 So, I get the open door part. That makes sense. What does the 65 mean? When when the ministry was originally started it, by a by a couple named uh, Roger and Pam Sorensen, it was located at sixty five North Third Street. Oh, and so the sixty the sixty five had to do with the location, and it also differentiates it from the numerous other organizations sure. that call mm-hmm. themselves Open Doors. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, sure. So it partly it. It's a designator. Okay. Yeah. It's a good little uh, uh, reminder, too, for someone. Mm-hmm. Is it still located in that same location? If you go to that location now, it is a nice parking lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Open Doors is now in its in its third location. Uh, when that building was, was uh, taken down, uh, the landlord that, that – uh, the landlord – that owned it uh, made available another space at uh, 213 uh, NP Avenue. And if you go to 213 NP Avenue, that is about to become a nice little parking lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we are now located at 307 Main Avenue in Fargo. 305 sticks. Okay. 307 Main, so that would be uh, for those who are listening in in the, in the Fargo area. Is that right across from the Holiday gas station? Uh, no, it's across from the former. It's directly north across from the former location of the frying pan. Okay. No, no. okay. Since, since the frying pan didn't move very far, it's now <laughs> kitty corner across the street from frying pan. Kitty corner. Cata corner. Oh, that's funny. So how long have you been in, involved with Open Doors? and How did you get involved with Open Doors? Roger and Pam, the founders of Open Doors, are members of Salem E. Free, which I'm a member of as well. Uh, and uh, I became aware of their ministry that they were that they were operating through that connection and uh, uh, was just donating a few shirts and a few pair of pants now and then along the way and uh, be- became aware that they were looking for more volunteers in fact I was of the view that well I already have quite a few things going on and so if I can just go in and volunteer to to uh, do a little sorting of the goods from time to time that's what I'd like to do mm-hmm. I've never sorted any any goods at all because <laughs> when I said I'd like to volunteer uh, Pam said oh that's that's great We'd like you to volunteer to work in the in the front. <laughs> we need to have some more men volunteering to work in the front. So I said okay, and uh, I was happy to uh, be in a involved in a an organization where I could just be helping out. Had no intention of becoming a president at the time, but that's how things go, you know. <laughs> yeah. You kept failing upward. Uh, yeah, 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 that's basically it. And, and so, uh, how how long ago was that? How how many years have you been involved? Uh, I think that was 2014. Okay. The uh, they organized Open Doors in 2010. Okay. And uh, I came along in 2014. There are still 
some volunteers there who've been there the whole time. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's a ministry that's eleven years old. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, how many people? Um, how many people volunteer down there? We probably have. Uh, just a quick, quick estimate. Mm-hmm. I'd say we have about fifteen people on our volunteer list right now. They're not all there at the same time, they, and not everybody does the same, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some of us who serve primarily in what we call our welcome center, which is where we meet people when they come in, and, mm-hmm. and uh, then there are people who. Uh, work in the shopping area and assist with the shopping. And then there are people who are the uh, behind-the-scenes workers who who sort and sort the items that are, that are donated and uh, uh, tag them, label them, mm-hmm. uh, and put them out on the shelves so that they're there for, for the clients when they come in to shop. So it, there are really three areas where volunteers work, and we're not necessarily all there at the same time. Sure. Right. I was wondering about your, your hours of operation. Mm. Uh, we're currently Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, uh, 12 noon until 2.30. Okay. Now, we really like people to be there no later than 2.15 uh, mm-hmm. so that we can be closing up Yep. relatively close to the 2.30 time. Right. So um, who do you, uh, who are you primarily helping out? Who, who do you see come through there? Uh, we're primarily helping people who are, uh, by the way, first of all, there's, there's no means testing uh, at all, but the Lord has seen fit to primarily draw homeless people and uh, other people who are in difficult economic circumstances mm-hmm. to come and, and patronize our, our store. Uh, about a third of the people who come to us are people who are homeless. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them are homeless sheltered, meaning they have a roof over their head somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them are literally homeless and either sleeping in their car or sleeping outside. Sure. So that's about a, in total, about a third of the people. And then the other people are primarily people of, of limited means who come okay. to us. We have, uh, we have not had a, had an issue with people who are looking for costumes. Okay. To come in. It's, it's just the people without us, particularly regulating it, we get people who are, like I say, of limited resources right. who come in and, and get help from us. We have, uh, it, it's fairly common that we get people who are either people who are in, in treatment mm-hmm. uh, for some kind of uh, addiction or mental health issue, uh, Sometimes those people have had to go to the institution that they're at or the facility they're at on very short notice, and they may only have the clothes on their back. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's common for us to be having people come in who are at various treatment facilities around the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's also common for us to be serving people who are just coming out of incarceration. Mm, okay. Because when people leave leave uh, a correctional facility, again, they come out with, often with uh, just the clothes on their back pretty much. Yeah. And uh, so they come in and uh, they're able to get some help from us. Uh, and uh, uh, frequently, uh, those people are looking f- for something that can well, well, a big thing is steel-toed boots. Oh, sure. Especially well, going the, back into the into the work. Exactly. <laughs> People come in, uh, 
people who are coming out of incarceration, for example, and, and who are have a goal of becoming self-supporting citizens, they want work. And mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes they're going to start out at some kind of uh, labor job. So the, that's one of the single biggest items that we have people asking for is steel-toed boots because mm-hmm. they can go to work. Well, and that was, that was my next question. Um, I was wondering about um, are the hours to donate goods the same as the hours of, of, of operation? No. Uh, and, ha- and what are the things that are most um, desired to be donated by, by the group? Uh, right now, winter clothing for men, women, and children. Coats, caps, gloves, boots, etc. Winter clothing for men, women, and children are the are the uh, the biggest single thing that we're in need of. And uh, so, right is now. are they? It's seasonal, then. I imagine there, you need more things at certain times, depending on what people are going right. through. Right. And then the other thing is is uh, anything of menswear. Okay. Uh, we we carry clothing and and shoes and so on for men, women, and children, and we welcome donations of any of those things. But the hardest the hardest one to fill is the menswear, mm. uh, and especially the extreme ends of the size ranges, mm-hmm. the smaller sizes and the big sizes. Right. They're the hardest ones to fill the fill the need for. Sure. But any kind of menswear jeans are very much in demand. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be true for women and children as well. Uh, and then uh, we also, we also uh, 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 carry housewares. So uh, items for the bathroom, items... Uh, Pillows, sheets, pillowcases, blankets, and quilts, uh, and uh, yeah, those okay. kinds of things. But uh, men's wear, well, winter winter outer wear, and men's wear, mm-hmm. especially in the larger and smaller sizes, are the things we have the the biggest need for. Are there things that you will not take? Uh, we don't we don't carry furniture. Okay. Uh, furniture furniture takes up a lot of a lot of space, uh, and uh, we don't have we don't have room for that. Okay. So yeah. and so so you said that the the donation hours are not the same as the hours of operation. They're a little different. Right. Uh, people who want to donate should should call. Uh, 701-799-7550, and I answer that phone, and then I'll refer them to our donation coordinator, uh, and uh, she'll give them instructions on where to bring their donations. But basically, uh, since COVID came in, Mm -hmm. we are taking our items off-site, and uh, I won't say where it is right now. Mm -hmm. not that there's any great secret. We just don't want people dumping stuff off with mm-hmm. right. without having talked to our donation right. coordinator. Mm-hmm. She does a little interview of the people to ascertain what they have to donate, and she's really, she's really on top of uh, what our exact needs are at, at any given moment. Oh, good. Okay. Because sometimes there are some things that we we uh, get a surplus of, and other things that we tend to run short of and, and so she can uh, eh, interview people and she, tell them mm-hmm. what we what we can use and what we can't use she she sorts it out if she you will does. <laughs> yeah and and uh, that's this business of offsite intake of donations started in in reaction to covid yeah uh, and and uh, what what the people who work primarily in that area have found is that this business of having them 
contact the donation donation coordinator uh, has made made their job much easier because uh, it's reduced the need to so, to sort things mm. when it was a drop off uh, just yeah drop it off at the store uh, there was a lot of stuff that came in that we didn't need or maybe was not in a condition that uh, it was usable we try to have we try to have uh, high quality to to the stuff that we make available to people and they found oh wow look what's happening as we do this we're able to uh, reduce the amount of sorting that we need to do mm-hmm. and so that's just continued now because it works well for them and actually the uh, people can bring things in pretty much anytime the way the the way the location works where the where the stuff is collected it's you don't need to be within certain hours okay mm-hmm. so um i was kind of looking at your process and i've i've um, um, served with other organizations that are kind of like this so if somebody shows up uh do you register them yes okay you register them and and figure out how many people they're living with or exactly. things like that okay exactly we have uh, uh we have a formula that says that that there are automatically any household that comes in it starts with being entitled to 10 items okay then for each person there is in the household another five is added so realistically uh person who uh, who's living by themselves starts out or is entitled to 15 items if there are two people it's 20 items and so on down okay the line will get up to uh, households of like two adults and eight children or something like that mm-hmm. and it goes up by five items for each one and though that when I say they can a uh, single person can get 15 items that means over a three-month period. Oh, okay. So, so that's the way we control the outflow of things to a degree. Gotcha. Uh, so that uh, you don't get uh, people coming in and over overloading themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. most people, most people who come in find our our limits to be. Their reaction is that the limits are quite generous, and they're surprised they can get as much as they can mm-hmm. now within that some of the items are are limited to one of this or one of that depending on on uh, the supply we have of the item and also how popular it is okay with people to try yeah. to keep from running out of any one thing yeah Dave, can I have you pull your microphone just a little closer to you? That, that's okay. It'll it'll Sorry. stretch out there. No, no don't, was, don't be. I was starting to get pretty comfortable. <laughs> that's here. good. That's, that's what good. we were aiming to do. <laughs> so 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 they would come in, they'd get registered, and then uh, do you have volunteers that that walk around and and shop with them? Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah, they come in, register, yeah, and if if. Things are pretty busy back in the shopping area. They have the welcome center where they can just take a seat. Uh, and and we also have uh, things like coffee, cold water, snacks available. Okay. That people can uh, can take advantage of if they if they wish to do so. Okay. Uh, and uh, then they get called back to shop. And okay. there are there's at least one person back there who's supervising the shopping sometimes sometimes more than that okay. and then even though everything is still free they they have to check out and that's not in the sense of paying something but that's to count their items to right. make sure that they're within the limits that we have okay yep um so do you have um do you have uh, um people co- coming in looking for other services that that you direct them to or or um, um, you know do you do, do you point people in in any certain direction or do you have contacts with other organizations that hey this person is is in need if somebody shows up or anything like that yes 
uh, it, it's mostly it's mostly informal. Mm, oh, okay. But if if uh, we do have contacts, okay, with other organizations, where and we're aware of the other organizations that exist. Uh, First Link has uh, directories they put out of all the different kinds of services that they're aware of that exist in the community, and it's extensive. And we can we can direct people to those things. Okay. That doesn't mean the agency we send them to is right has the availability or the capability at the time of helping them, but we at least. Uh, can direct them someplace. Okay. Uh, one of the things that happens a lot is is uh, people people are looking for furniture, mm. and like you say, we don't carry furniture, and and uh, furniture is a it's a common request, and it's not that easy to come by. Yeah. For people, and there are two organizations in the community that that at least that are actively providing people with furniture. Okay. Can I give a plug for it? Sure. Mm -hmm. There's the furniture mission of the Red River Valley, Uh and there's Down Home. Okay. And uh, if you haven't had them in already for a podcast, either (laughs) one of them would be, or, yeah, either one of them would be good places. Okay. Those are some more people you might want to bring on in a podcast. Sure. And uh, furniture mission provides uh, individual pieces of furniture to people mm-hmm. uh, and beds are a huge demand for oh, beds. Sure. hard to come by. And then down home uh, will uh, uh, works with people who are coming out of homelessness to get them set up in housing and they'll they'll uh, come in and they'll furnish and decorate, and a room, an individual room for people, or two mm-hmm. rooms, or a whole apartment, or a whole house. Okay, and, wow. And uh, also do uh, a lot of work with the individuals uh, to be encouraging to them and examining uh, lifestyle issues, I believe, and so on. So both of those are wonderful organizations that uh, I can't speak. Uh, highly enough about very cool um so how can are, are you are you seeking volunteers are you looking for people to help out or? yes okay yes we uh we're yeah short answer is yes <laughs> we uh, our desire is that that people who are who are going to serve as volunteers at Open Doors be people who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, that's important to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I told you, Ryan, off, off mic, yeah. that our, our mission statement is, is reaching people for Christ by providing for physical and spiritual needs in a Christ-honoring manner. Mm-hmm. And so we are there, first of all, to serve the Lord. And we're seeking to serve the Lord by serving people and helping to meet their needs. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that's why we we say we want people who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. to serve as our volunteers. And anyone who would like to volunteer can call the phone number okay should i repeat it y- yeah um it uh you can repeat it but i will also tag it onto all of our stuff but yeah okay. go ahead go ahead in- seven seven zero one seven nine nine seven five five zero uh and uh, uh i'll answer that phone i'll talk with them a bit but i'll ask them to come into the store or anyone who wants to mm-hmm. can just come into the store uh, during our open hours and ask for a volunteer application, we have people fill out an application okay. that they uh, bring in to us so we can get to know them uh, a little bit better. Okay, and again, those are Monday, Wednesday, Friday from noon to 2.30, correct? Correct, yeah. correct. Okay. 307 Main Avenue. 307 Main <laughs> Avenue. 
Very cool. Cat a corner from the frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Everybody knows where the frying pan's at. So uh, how about, uh, do you take um, uh, monetary donations? Certainly. Okay. Uh, and and if people, we well, we have a donation box right in the store that people will slip a few pennies into sometimes. Okay. Or a little more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, if people want to send us a check, uh, just send it to that address. Okay. 307 Main Avenue. Sweet A. Okay. 307 Main Avenue. Very cool. Um, do you have any other questions, Sarah? You've been quiet today. I can't think of it. taking it in. I know. I'm, I'm thinking of I need to clean out my closet, so <laughs> this is a good time. I know where to bring it now. Yes. Springtime <laughs> always sees a bit of a surge in, mm-hmm. in donations. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet it does. Well, for folks who are getting ramped up for the winter, I mean, here's a perfect opportunity. You go and buy gloves for your kids, pick up an extra pair, and bring it mm-hmm. on down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, caps, coats. Mm-hmm. Such a need for that here. Yeah, well, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I said last night it was nice out, but one of the kids was in shorts, and he's saying it, it's cold out here. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, we're 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 getting, getting to October soon. Mm-hmm. Well, and whenever I walk by you, Ryan, I think one of us, our internal um, temperature system is broken because I'm, I'm always got <laughs> layers and layers, and you're. <laughs> Shorts and t-shirts, ready to roll. Yep, uh, shorts and t-shirts until 30 degrees, that's what I say. (laughs) And I will say, too, we're already getting people who are asking, when are you going to be putting the winter clothes out? And uh, they'll be starting to come out in October. Yeah. Okay. So I I, I know you... It's not like you're, you're tracking people or anything like that, but I guess just more as a question of an anecdote from your own experience. Um. Does demand for the needs of the homeless increase during the winter, or is is there like a migration that you think happens of folks who are homeless leaving this place because it's so dangerous during the wintertime? Most people who are homeless, th- this is just my personal right, experience. Just, yep. mm-hmm. Most people who are homeless considered themselves still to be rooted in a community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and they they stay in that community wow. mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, it's uh, you know there are certainly there are those who leave mm-hmm. and go south in the, in the winter, mm-hmm. but and we do get people who are just moving through the com- who are homeless and are moving through the community and are going to be going on yeah. someplace else. But by and large. Even, it surprised me when I first figured it out. Uh, I worked, for, you might recall that at one time there was a church sheltering program mm-hmm. uh, where churches provided overflow sheltering in the wintertime for people who were homeless. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was involved in that. And there was one man who uh, had been down in Dallas and he'd come up here and it was still cold up here Mm -hmm. and i said to him this was the edifying experience to me Mm -hmm. i said to him well you were down in dallas why didn't you wait there and he said to me this is where i'm from Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is home Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, that's you know um, um i've talked about our mission trip to san francisco lots of times but that was uh um a story that somebody told me when uh, I asked, you know, they have that they have really tent cities in, in San Francisco, kind of all over the West coast. But I asked, you know, don't you, don't you get nervous? Don't you worry about having so many people around you? And they said, this is, this is my security. You know, mm-hmm. the, these are, these are it, like you said, it's their community. It's where they feel safe. It's who they know. So mm-hmm. you know, I've seen that. And I would say it's where they feel safer because being homeless is not a safe condition to be in. And I will tell you that that's true in Fargo-Moorhead as well as in San Francisco or or everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't seen any statistics on it, but I would say that uh, there's a greater likelihood for a person to be a crime victim 
if they are homeless. Oh, yes. Well, there is no security. I mean, there's uh, you're in danger from the elements. You're in danger from strangers. You're mm-hmm. in danger from um, everything, and, and you're often overlooked. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think the, is the most rewarding thing of what you do? Uh, it's the engagement with people again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sense of helping people. Uh, when people, when people, well, it's, people will come into our store and they're frequently not under good circumstances. And sometimes you'll see a person who comes in looking pretty glum. And to see them walk out with a smile on their face and uh, bags in their hands mm. and that they have they have uh, gotten a little bit of sense of hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that there's a basic human need for hope. And if you're feeling so defeated you've lost hope, that's not a good right. that's not a good circumstance to be in. Uh, and and of course the ultimate hope is faith in Jesus Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the best thing to have someone to have someone leave our store with a smile on their face and say thank you very much. And uh, I typically will say the Lord bless you, and I almost uniformly get the response back and the Lord bless you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. That is, yeah, that is great. So again, uh, uh, Dave Engstrom is with Open Doors 65 here in Fargo. Uh, I'm going to give out all the all the information. You're on Facebook, right? Correct. Open Doors 65. Uh, website is opendoors65.com, the, the number 65. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, again, the phone number is 701-799-7550. And the address is 307 307- Main Avenue, Suite A in Fargo, North Dakota. Is it 58102 on that side? Uh, yes. Okay. Right. Main Avenue is the dividing line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, we're, we're so thankful you, you mm-hmm. came in and uh, told your story, told yeah. about, the, about the organization. This is really good, good work, great work that you're doing. Well, thank Praise you. God. Praise thank God you. for it. Right. Pra- we, and we praise the Lord all the time for for how he has provided for Open Doors. I could start regaling you with a number of stories of where we've seen the, the Lord at work, one of them being the location we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back on to get some of those God moments on here. There, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear, do you have one now? Um, it's amazing how... We, we see it time and again uh, where someone comes in with a very specific need and it will either be uh, that somebody else has just brought one of those things in to donate. Oh, uh, yeah. Or yeah. Even, even, even this. There was a woman who was walking by our store on on NP, didn't know anything about us, but just happened to see it. And she came in and, oh, this is what this is. Well, would you happen to have a a sofa? And and I answered, no. No, we, we don't carry furniture. We don't have the space for it standard answer yeah. mm-hmm. and there was a fellow in there who uh, who would often go looking for things that he could bring in and donate to us mm-hmm. and uh, he overheard this conversation and said well I've got a sofa right out in my pickup <laughs> pickup out here and not only did she get the sofa but he hauled it over to her house for her as well wow, wow. that's cool just yeah. the timing yeah you know i gotta say for skeptics out there that say well you can just chalk that up to coincidence in i'm about halfway through my life now i think <laughs> who knows god knows 
But I've come to the realization for myself. I just, uh, coincidence is a faith statement. I don't believe in coincidences anymore. Uh, coincidence is just God choosing to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. I agree. I um, agree. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Very cool. I've seen it enough times to be <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. This can't just be a coincidence. Yeah. Dave, th- thank you for, for coming in. Uh, and, and you can hang around. We've got, uh, we've got a little bit of business to take care of. Are we entering into DJ's house of theological nitwittery? Yep, we're going to DJ's house of <laughs> theological nit- nitwittery uh, uh, because poor Derek was probably going, wait a minute, last time they told me they were going to answer my question. So we'll answer it now. <laughs> so I need some theme music for yep. this thing. <laughs> for those of you who joined us last week, you heard that there was a three-part question from Derek W., <laughs> And we got through two, and so now we'll do number three. Wait, did we... I wasn't here last week. Did we confirm that this was Derek W. and not just another burner email from Ryan? <laughs> well, it says... <laughs> what are you talking we about? We did not. Oh, I, I'm just here to ask. <clears throat> it says, yours in Christ, Derek, and I'll just give the initial W. Okay, okay. I'll believe that. Not like McDonald's or anybody <laughs> like that. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, thank you for running into that guy and sending uh, yeah. uh, him our way. Um, yeah. So it was your. <clears throat> All info. right. All right. It's assumed that Joseph had died prior to the crucifixion of Christ. And after the crucifixion, the 11 remaining of the 12 scattered and were eventually captured and martyred for their faith. Mm-hmm. What happened to Mary? Except for John. The mother of Jesus or Mary Magdalene. Yeah, so um, it's interesting that he uses the word assumed. Assumed. Because there is this um, tradition in many of the early church traditions, like like uh, Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Coptic, Oriental Orthodox, uh, of the what's called the assumption of Mary. Mm-hmm. That just like Elijah was physically assumed into heaven and didn't actually die, that the same thing happened to Mary, that she was assumed into heaven. Okay. Uh, we're Lutheran, and um, uh, our closest relative is, uh, one of them is E-Free. I don't know if you knew this. The E-Free Church is the combination of the Norwegian Free Church and the Swedish Lutheran Angsgar Synod Okay. back before 1950. And so there's a lot of crossover and connection uh, not just the Scandinavian part in the Midwest. So um, Lutheran of a different flavor. <laughs> and uh, so we don't hold to the idea of the assumption of Mary. Mary was the first among women, just as John the Baptist was the first among men, according to the witness of Scripture. Okay. And so uh, Mary is is to be honored for her witness to the faith, just like uh, a, a look at any of the saints uh, would be. We don't pray to them. We don't. We don't think extra things of them. We just mm-hmm. look at their example and say, just as God was gracious to them, God can be gracious to me. And as I want to live my life faithfully, they can be an example for that. So for Mary, she is the mother of God, Theotokos. She is the mother of Jesus Christ, the son of God, and therefore the mother of God. But she is not supernatural or um, godly in herself outside of her faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus died for the sins of Mary as well as every other sinner, every other person. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So going on to the history a bit of all the, the disciples, um, aside from James, who is, uh, the, the brother of John, who we hear about his martyrdom in the witness of scripture in acts, all the other apostles are, um, uh, their end, their martyrdom comes about through the witness of tradition. And that, that the best being, that first generation of Christians who sat at the feet of Peter and Paul and, and James, we have their writings. They're known as the Antinessine Fathers. And they give us a lot of details about the early formation of Christianity. Um, their writings are from the, the first century and the sec- early second century. Uh, we have no record of what happened to Mary Magdalene or Mary from those writings. The earliest writing that we have about either one of them is usually... I think it's like this, uh, I'd have to look it up, but it's a couple centuries later where uh, there was a question about Mary. Okay. As um, as the church has developed in, in the 5th and 6th and 7th centuries, so 500, 600, 700, 
400, 500, 600, around that time, you know, Christ had not returned yet, and the church had moved out of being limited to a, um, a, a circle of believers that were not recognized by the state. By that point, Christendom had entered in mm-hmm. as Rome became a Christian empire, a Christian place after 325 AD. You have these questions about who is Mary, what, what does Mary do, and, and all these beliefs that pop up about her. The only outlying writing about Mary is that she lived 11 years or that she died around 41 AD. So if you, if you see the ministry of Jesus coming to a completion in 30 or 33 AD, she lived about eight to 10 years after that. Okay. And according to the witness of scripture, Jesus tells John from the cross that says, uh, woman, this is your son, son, this is your mother. And so it's a, here's another word assumed. Another assumption is that Mary entered into the the house of John, um, John the Evangelist. Now, John the Evangelist is the only one of the apostles who does not have a martyred end as far as tradition is concerned. He actually died of old age, which is interesting um, because of Jesus' message to Peter in the Gospel of John that, you know, what is your concern about this one? If he lives until I return, what is that to you? Feed my sheep. Um, so, you know, honestly, it leaves it open-ended. John could still be alive today. Who knows? Uh, he's, <laughs> I, I believe he's, he's alive in the church, the church triumphant, which is, uh, eternal life. But John was thought to have taken Mary into his own household, which is interesting because John ended up in Ephesus. That's where he retired. And if you think about Ephesus, I want to say it was Timothy who ends up as the bishop of Ephesus, that the letters of First and Second Timothy are written to, that Paul spoke to. John ends up in his church. And if you look at John's writings, one of the last writings that he does is the book of Revelation, and it's written to the seven churches, and one of those churches is Ephesus. And okay. so it's kind of cool to think that Mary, uh, if she, at least in those early years, if she lived beyond 4180, could have ended up in Ephesus with John. Okay, so that's one. Now, here's the weird thing about Mary Magdalene, and I don't know why it has to do with John, but there is an old tradition, cut across all the heretical stuff, all the Gnostic writings and all the imaginations of the 21st century from Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code and all this (laughs) stuff, the last temptation of Jesus Christ that Mary Magdalene was the wife of Jesus. There's no evidence of that anywhere. And frankly, if there was, the Gospels would have mentioned it because it would have been such a key part because family life is a big part of what Jesus is laying out and conveying in the Gospels um, about how to be family. And and the the honor of of marriage between a husband and a wife he it would have come out, uh, but it's not there. It's not in the traditions of the anti Nessene fathers. No one mentions Mary as Jesus' wife. It's only after two hundred A.D. three hundred four hundred you get Gnostic writings that make all these crazy wacko statements. We've debunked it before. It's it's heresy. Uh, don't don't sweat it. Um, so what happened to Mary? Well. <laughs> Mary Madeline. According to tradition, she was, uh, uh, one, one strain says that she was um, the bride at Cana. And along with that same tradition, the groom happened to be John the Evangelist. <laughs> so, okay. which is kind of silly. Doesn't really work out that well. But in John's gospel, he never really states himself as John. He always speaks of himself as the beloved disciple. So it leaves some open room for speculation. One of the speculations being that the beloved disciple in John is actually Lazarus because the only time that we hear about someone being told that Jesus loved them with a name was Lazarus, Mary, and Martha of Bethany Okay, in the Gospel of John. Mm -hmm. So there's an argument to be made for that, but tradition says it was John. It was the kids that sat at the feet of John, Polycarp, Papias, these guys, in their writings, they said, no, John wrote John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he wrote Revelation. That's how we know John is the author of those books. Um, because in, in the Gospel of John, he never actually states this is John, the evangelist. Okay. He never says it. So, okay, so one tradition, which is, it's old. This, all this stuff comes in, like, after Christianity becomes Christendom. 
400, 500, 600 AD. People are wondering like crazy about Jesus and trying to fill in all this stuff, especially the lost years. So one, one tradition is that Mary Magdalene is the betrothed of John the Evangelist. They are the, the wedding party, the, the bride and the groom at the wedding at Cana. And after the wedding at Cana, John ends up following Jesus. And so does Mary Magdalene. Okay. Speculative, not, not a whole lot to that. But there's this, this ongoing tradition, aside from that, that later on in life, Mary Magdalene joined the household of John and Mary by marrying John the Evangelist. So she would have ended up in Ephesus too, if that was the tradition. So you have Mary, the mother of our Lord, Mary Magdalene, uh, who was fairly wealthy, according to the gospel um, tradition. There was this idea that at some point in history, I want to say it's like the 13th or 14th century, there was this idea that uh, the the prostitute who anointed Jesus' feet, uh, Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany were all subsumed into the same person. And so this idea that, that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute became popular for like 500 years. Mm. Um, there's nothing to it. If you, if you look at the, the gospel accounts, Mary was a very common name. This isn't all the same person. That's just laziness. But it's, it's three distinct persons that have three distinct relationships with Jesus that are not, not the same. What we know about Mary Magdalene from the Gospels is that she was most likely named Mary from a place called Magdala, thus the Magdalene. Okay. Kind of like my last name is Lura. That means my family's from Lura, Norway. Uh, and that she was wealthy because out of her means, she helped to support the apostles in Jesus' ministry. There's a, a few mentions of that, of these women that supported the apostles with their means. It, it means they were probably, they had, they had some money to spare. Um, and that she had seven demons which were exorcised. Now, is that seven exorcisms or was it uh, of one demon or was it seven different demons? Who knows? In either case, she was, because um, we don't hear the, the story of her exorcism. We hear about other exorcisms in the Gospels, but not Mary's, not Mary Magdalene's. And yet, it's mentioned of her, and so I think most likely Jesus exercised her of, of all those demons the way he did the 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 demon the demons legion that we hear about later mm. in scripture about the man who's bound right mm-hmm. into the, yeah so that's the details about Mary um, and it's history that made her into this alluring figure that had a connection with Jesus or was a former prostitute and now lives a life of of, of penitent solitude um, and piety. Um, none of that's the case. Mary is a follower of Jesus. She's, she's a close follower of Jesus. She's the first preacher of the gospel. This is important to understand. She's the first witness to the resurrection and has a, a place of honor in that regard. Um, what happens to her afterwards? Who knows? A third, a third choice aside from those first two that I that I shared is uh, that she ended up in Ephesus, married to John, John the Evangelist. That she was um, the bride at Cana. Um, those are unlikely, uh, or, or that the first one is unlikely. The second one is likely. It mm-hmm. could be the case. The third one is that at some point she traveled to France. Okay. Yeah, and um, went went into Gaul. It would have been called Gaul at that time. She traveled to Gaul. There's this whole tradition of, of Mary Magdalene in France. I think there's like a church that's named after the final resting place of Mary Magdalene. That's rather speculative as well. It's very unlikely that she ever left um, uh, the, the Fertile Crescent, the, the mm-hmm. Middle East, and would have traveled to Europe. That, that seems very, very speculative. Okay. So does that answer Derek W's question? The fact of the matter is we do not know. Yeah, yep. I was, I was going to say that was a long-winded way of saying <laughs> Who knows? Yep. Well, this is theological <laughs> nitwittery. So, you know, we got to go the long way to get back to trust what the scriptures say as true and, and what you can rest on. The things that we speculate about, you can speculate, but ultimately speculation needs to go back to proclamation because you're not going to find hope, peace, and love in the things that we speculate about. We're mm-hmm. only going to find it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. All right. Cool. I want to touch on one more thing before we, before we close out, and this will be quick. But there was some cool stuff that came out the other day uh, about um, a, a, a certain event that happened in the Real body. quickly before you do that, I just want to make this a thing. I want to close the theological network. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
There you go. Right. I like it. Sorry. Oh, and I should say that, uh, uh, Derek W., thank you for that question. And anybody else who would like to submit a question can do so at atonement.live, going to the uh, that podcast link, or at thatpodcast.net, or you can email me at rjanky at atonementfargo.org, or dlura at atonementfargo.org. Don't email Sarah. Don't, don't do that. I, I, don't have, I don't have an Atonement Fargo email anymore. <laughs> It won't get answered because it ain't being activated. Yep. Right. Yes. <laughs> You're going to get a bounce back. <laughs> so, uh, some news broke the other day. Scientists believe they oh. found physical evidence for one of the most infamous. I'm, infamous? I'm, lo- I'm looking That's at you. more than famous. <laughs> Biblical stories. The infamous El Guapo. Yeah. So, <laughs> basically, it boils down to they figured out that an icy space rock came screaming towards the earth at 38,000 miles per hour, two and a half miles above the earth, it came apart and it rained down. Hail fire. Hail fire. Yeah. Fire and brimstone. They said that it likely would have caused a blast 1,000 times stronger than Hiroshima. Oh. The blast at Hiroshima. Don't you love when archaeology catches up to the Bible? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> It's one of those neat things, just like, oh, yeah, you, you didn't think, you know, speculation. Oh, we have no evidence mm-hmm. of this. I have no evidence of this. You know how hard it is to find archaeological evidence from thousands of years ago? Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just to even find fossils, you have to have the right ingredients in the event. But this is a kind of a cool one that it's yeah. like, makes you, it makes you think, <laughs> what were we talking about yesterday that... Boy, Lot's wife should have been booking it because <laughs> yeah. it was yeah. right behind her. Don't, that's why he's saying don't turn around. This is exactly why God said... Run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they, yeah, they, uh, they found this, uh, the, the name of the city is now called Tal El Hamam, uh, but it would have been the biblical city of Sodom. Hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. So, uh, yep, there, there it is. Uh, did you, did you say how strong the blast was supposed 1, to be? 1,000. Yeah, I did, but it was, but I just like saying it that way. When you think about it, 1,000 yeah. times stronger than the, than the bomb uh, at Hiroshima. Oh my goodness, one thousand and in the air, like in the air, in the air, yeah, and would have caused. I, I think it said it would have caused such an earthquake, no one would have survived. Right. They. It yeah. says in the article here, and uh, okay, here it is. It would have caused the temperature to rise to thirty six hundred degrees. <sighs> so what I'm curious to find out is, so now we know this. Sodom and Gomorrah had, had surrounding areas where Lot fled to mm-hmm. would have been just outside of the blast radius. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm hopeful they're going to come out with something on the next part, that it, the blast radius ended here, which just happened to be the community that Lot yeah. fled to. Right. So I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Uh, just if, if anybody wants some, some uh, interesting reading, you can find this. Just search... Um, uh, search uh, scientists find evidence of blast at Sodom or something like that. You'll you'll find it so cool. So they believe that this occurred at that location in Israel. Yep. Yeah. Thirty six hundred yeah. or uh, uh, yeah, thirty six hundred years ago, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Which uh, you're getting in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty mm-hmm. close. It's during the time of, of the patriarchs. Yeah, roughly, give or take a hundred years. Yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be right there. Well, I mean, if you think of fourteen forty six BC as kind of the date of of Mount Sinai mm-hmm. and Moses, mm-hmm. you're going you're going back to like eighteen hundred nineteen hundred to get a sense of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, right around two thousand BC. So it's in it's in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, <laughs> so, and I love the use of the word infamous. You, you, have you seen the Three Amigos? No. You got to see the Three Amigos. I talked about is a it? song I sang with my kids from the Three Amigos. <laughs> and in there, it's like the infamous El Guapo uh, request your presence, stop, um, uh, fight, stop. They think it's an act. They're actors. Uh-huh. And they're like, infamous? What does that mean? This one guy goes, oh, Dusty. Infamous. Infamous means more than famous. <laughs> so this Aguapo is not just famous. He's infamous. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, we got to roll. 
Um, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. I uh, really appreciate you coming in, taking the time. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, I have enjoyed this immensely. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you did. So uh, somebody needs to pray us out of here. I prayed last time. Yeah. Sarah, right. I, Sarah you, I think it's your you, turn. You, you were gone like, last okay. time. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this time together. And Lord, we thank you for the work that is Open Door 65, that you have blessed them to be able to be a blessing to others. And Lord, we just continue to ask that you protect them and provide for them and provide for everybody who is listening to this podcast and to past episodes. Lord, I just know that I pray that they know you and that they feel your love and your blessings. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. It is called Open Doors 65. You can find them on mm-hmm. opendoors65.com or uh, Facebook. Just search Open Doors 65. Uh, and the phone number again, Dave, is... 701-799-7550. There you go. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you are looking for a place to worship this weekend, you can join us on site here at Atonement Fargo. That's 4601 South University Drive. Or you can join us online. You can go to YouTube and search Atonement Fargo. You can go to atonement.live or atonementfargo.org. We have services at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. So for Sarah Young. Pastor DJ Lura and Dave Engstrom. My name is Ryan Janke. Join us next time for another riveting episode of that podcast. <laughs> <laughs>